Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Well, you got to praise the Lord now too, don't you? Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We worship you, God. We thank you for what you're doing here tonight. Just go ahead and raise your hands up right where you are. Father, I thank you right now that what you're doing in this meeting, in this conference, in this very moment is that you're awakening on the inside of your people a prophetic mantle and a prophetic anointing. Father, I thank you right now that we've not just come to hear the prophets, but Father, we're saying, awaken your voice in us. Awaken your prophetic anointing in us so that we can begin to be a mouthpiece for your people, so that we can be a mouthpiece to begin to speak into the atmosphere and see things transform. Father, right now, we take personal responsibility of this anointing and of your voice. Father, we're not going to give it. We're not going to hand that responsibility to another man or another woman. Father, because you gave it to us. So right now, as you're raising your hands, I want you to do a prophetic act right now. I want you to reach up real high, like you're apple picking, right? I'm from New York. We apple pick on occasion. And reach up and grab a hold of your mantle. Grab a hold. Each of us has a mantle. It may not have a title attached to it, but there's a mantle for you to be a carrier of his voice. I want you to pull it down and wrap it like this oversized sweater I got on me right now. Just wrap it around yourself. Go ahead. Oh, you look good. Oh, oh, is that plaid? Oh, okay. I see some of you got that Louis Vuitton logo on there. Your mantles are looking good. I want you to go ahead and say this. I will walk in the mantle that God has given me. And I'm going to thank God every single day that he has given me this honor. If you believe it, say amen. Give someone a high five as you're seated. Woo! My goodness, look at this. I am just so excited to be with you guys. How many of you are ready to have a good time in the Lord? You guys are ready? Man, Pastor Daniel, he looked over at me during worship and he says, we got a rowdy crowd tonight. We got some rowdy ones in here. How many of you are rowdy for Jesus? You're ready to go, amen? Come on. I love it. Well, I'm just extremely honored. I'm extremely blessed to be able to be with you guys. And I I will say, I want to honor everybody that's in the front row. Uh, Each one has just impacted my life in tremendous ways. And I just want to say that first off, I I could mention the adults, but I want to brag on the kids of the, the children of these amazing men and women of God. Because I will tell you that I am so humbled to be able to be around people that know how to do ministry and family well. They're not willing to say, I can only have one or the other. They're saying it can be both. And I just see just an anointing of multiplication right up here. I'm seeing a a new generation of kings rising up. I see Daniel Jr. over there, dance team up here. He looking like a proud dad over there. He just, I think I saw him squeeze out a tear on the corner of his eye. He's doing an amazing thing with the youth. He's doing an amazing thing, reproducing that king's DNA inside of this next generation. How many of you know that, you know, it was good a few years ago for us to go after the millennials, but now we need a generation that's gonna rise up and go after the Gen Zs, that's gonna go after those babies, that's gonna go 
after that next generation because God says that there's a synergy that can only happen through the marrying of the generations. And God says that the church is gonna be at the forefront of marrying the generations and big technology is not gonna name this generation. Technology is not going to define what is acceptable to this generation or what they're capable of. God is getting ready to awaken the church to begin to name this next generation what it was always designed to be. If you believe it, say amen. So I'm just excited. I mean, I, I will tell you, I, and how many of you got set free this morning at the morning sessions? My goodness. <sighs> Pastor Critcher, I was, I was I, this is the baggiest pair of pants I own. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just... When you in, went in this morning, I felt offended and then convicted. And then I wanted to rip my pants off. And I was like, well, that would send the totally wrong message as well. So we're just going to figure it out. So I'm going to go to Target maybe and everything. But how, my goodness, I, I was just so blessed and set free this morning. And so, <laughs> woo, my goodness, it was just so good. Well, here's the thing is that tonight I want to share a very quick word with you. I want to give you some prophetic snippets, some prophetic insights about how to be able to discern the voice of God in this season. How many of you want to discern his voice even more than ever before? Now, here's the thing, is that I, I want to encourage you that right now it is harder and harder to discern God's voice. Isn't that so interesting? Because back in the day, you'd have to travel on horseback or by camel for five days after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights to maybe find a prophet in a backwoods church somewhere to give you a prophetic word. And even then, there was no guarantee that you would get a prophetic word, you know? How many of you know that it was rare in not too long ago to be able to have access to what every single one of you who was registered for the conference was able to get this afternoon? That was rare even 40 years ago. Listen, if I walked around and I put on my, on my MySpace profile that I was a prophet, I would get digital stones thrown at me. I would have gotten kicked down a hill both ways. I would have just, it would have been insane. Even back in the early 2000s, it was crazy. And yet now, my goodness, you have access within seconds. If you need a word from God, if you need to hear what God is saying, first, you've got the Bible. That's really important. But secondly, you can pull something up immediately and you have access to somebody who's prophesying something about what God is doing. What a crazy time we live in. And yet it's harder and harder to discern God's voice. Because now that it's popular, now that it's financially profitable, you got profits coming out and out of the woodwork, man, with, complete with Venmo, Cash App. My goodness, they got the Zelle. If you, if you like that, you got the Zelle. I mean, they got all of these different things. They've got the profit and they've got the profits. And they got them all married and mixed together. How many of you know that people are people first and Christians second sometimes? God doesn't look at it that way, but people do. And now what we see is we have a mixture of people that are mixing not only financial motivation, but ideological and political motivations to try to give you a word that is not meant to awaken God's destiny in your life, but to try to manipulate and leverage you to thinking the way that they think rather than understanding what God is saying in this day and hour. And this is how you know that things are a mess, is that God's prophetic word always releases clarity. It brings simplification. 
It brings a prioritization to the things that he's doing in your life. He's saying, this is what I'm saying to you. And you're able to focus all of your attention and your effort. And yet in this climate, in this moment, does it not feel more fractured than ever before? Where you just get on Facebook for five minutes, you get on Instagram, you get on something and you get five different words about the same topic that are saying opposite things. How many of you know that it's more important now than ever to be able to discern what is truly God? And so here's what I want to do is because I, I believe this. I believe that the best way to combat counterfeit prophecy is to raise up a people that are able to know the difference, is to be able to equip a generation that understands what it truly is to prophesy, what it truly is to hear God's voice, and is willing to walk the process necessary in order to be able to see it manifested in their life in its purity. Amen? And so here's the thing is that for me, uh, many of you know this because I told tons of stories. I tell lots of stories about my life. I was raised, I became a man in the house of the prophets, okay? I was 16 years old. I was a flight risk. I looked like something out of a Peter Pan movie. I had a mullet mohawk on my head, okay? I, I thought I was buff, but I was carrying about 30 pounds of body fat on me, you know? And I had attitude. I was from New York, man. I, I used to ride subways for fun, okay? So how many of you know that I was not the most pleasant individual, okay? And so here's the thing is that I, I came into this rough situation and then I came into an encounter with a group of prophets that had certain ones that looked at me through my mess, looked at me through my dysfunction, my, my rough areas. And they said, this is what God has called you to. I can remember, I can remember that when I was 16, I didn't know what a prophet was. And my parents, though, they knew what prophets were and they were uh, at this particular ministry. And uh, the man that would eventually become a really strong spiritual father to me and mentor, Bishop Bill Hammond, gave them this word about me. And he said this, he said, I see your son, your eldest son, and he is laying in bed and he's inviting wolves to come into his bed. And the Lord is saying right now that what the enemy is trying to do right now will not prevail, for I have called him to be a prophet that will go to the nations. And at that moment in time, I was letting the equivalent of wolves into my bed. How many of you know that you can find trouble if you're looking for it? Listen, man, I can make, make anybody laugh. And I went to public school in, in, a, in a New York school district where people were getting jumped on the daily. So I said, well, they would never jump a funny person, right? <laughs> I can make some jokes, you know, just make them laugh, you know? So it was like prison rules, right? I got the biggest, baddest dudes in the yard. I made them laugh. And then I had protection, you know, for the semester, you know, uh, and all those different things. But how many of you know that sometimes those big, bad dudes, they also have big, bad professions, okay? And so I, I, I got involved in some of that. And it was, uh, I, I was the UPS for illegal substances, okay? I was in the logistics business in the wrong kind of way, okay? Instead of giving you your Amazon package, I was given stuff to alter your state of mind, okay? And it was a crazy situation. And yet, here's the amazing thing, is that even though I never heard that word until years later, when the word was released, it began to do a work on the inside of me. It began to arrest everything inside of me, and it caused my entire life to fall apart. And here's one of the ways that you can discern a true prophetic word, is it will bring you down to studs, and then it will build you back up again. 
It is not simply a compliment. It's not simply an addition. It's not just simply something to help, you know, make you feel better in your daily affirmations as you prophesy over yourself in the mirror and talk about how good looking you are while you're looking through your IG filter and you know that that filter is lying to you and you know that it's a lie, but you're just believing it anyways. It's not just a complimentary thing for to make you feel better. It's not just a, a warm fuzzy, even though I like a warm fuzzy. Look at my sweater. I love it. Hug you, make you feel like you want a nap. It's great. Love it. I love those words. But here's the thing is that if it's a true prophetic word, it's going to change you. And it's going to confront every area in you that is not alive. That's the amazing thing about the prophetic is that the prophetic releases life, but it's going to kill you first. I don't know if we put that in the welcome packet that you got at the conference, that once you got your prophetic word, it was going to begin to do this type of thing. But I just want to let you know that it's, it's an incredible thing when it happens, okay? And so the prophetic begins to confront the things in your life that are trying to come against the will of God inside of your life. And it's a battle. But here's the thing is that the prophetic is essential because it's God's voice speaking louder over you than what your circumstances had tried to convince you of. And so for me, I, I, I had my entire life fall apart, or so I thought. And in reality, God was starting to build it back together. He banishes me to this prophetic ministry in the backwoods of Florida, we're 30 minutes away. I see white hoods and not in the cool, trendy fashion way either. Got people rocking hoods, you know, and, and all these different things. I'm the only, only Asian guy, I feel, in like a 100-mile radius. I'm like Elijah in the cave. I'm the only one. I'm the, they killed the rest of them. I'm the only Asian left. I, feel, I hear the banjos are coming. I'm just being real. Can I be honest about, about what I've been through? Come on, I just need to testify, okay? I go to this prophetic ministry. I get all these prophetic people, all of these prophets, and all of, it, and all of these things. And did you know that half of them didn't want me to be there? Because I was a, a flight risk. Here's the thing is that if I had a Bible college and someone like me applied, I would not want me in my school. I would not want me in my own school at that time. How many of you can attest to that? You're like, oh, Lord, thank you for doing what you did in me. But there are certain prophets that looked at me in the midst of my mess and they prophesied the truth constantly over and over and over again and released it over my life until finally I began to believe it. And here is the other aspect of the prophetic is that the prophetic requires continual, constant, moment-to-moment -moment partnership with what God has said over your life. Because what it is meant to do is it is meant to confront the very cycles that have been in operation inside of your soul. It's meant to begin to break through the narrative that's been on the inside of your brain. And here's the thing is that God wants to do this and he speaks his heart to you, but it requires a partnership on your part to begin to say, I believe this word. I believe what is said about me. And then at the same time, it also requires us to take action so that it can be birth in that situation. Amen. Now, here's the thing is that our, our, the ministry I was a part of, they hold a lot of events, a lot of conferences similar to this. And I remember that I was simply for many, many, many months, I was simply the attraction that guest speakers would take pictures with. Okay. I was like a canary. I was like an exotic bird because remember mullet mohawk, right? They're like, go ahead. Say, Polly, I want a cracker. No, I'm totally just it wasn't like that. We had people there. And so here's the thing is that sometimes what happens is that when God speaks a word over you, when he speaks a revelation over your life, there is a holding period moment 
where he begins to test your desire. He begins to test your resolve in being able to respond to that prophetic word and seeing it happen in your life. You see that with the rich young ruler, right? It's not necessarily a prophecy, but Jesus tells the rich young ruler, he gives him an incentive, and then he just kind of stands there silently to see what the ruler will do. And the ruler, what does he do? He walks away. There's a moment in time when you receive your prophecy where God is looking at your body language. He's looking at the words that you say. And he says, are you going to walk away? See, the prophetic, especially when it comes to personal prophecy, requires personal choice. It requires you to choose. God's not going anywhere. God has presented this opportunity to you, and he's seeing whether you choose to engage. Amen? So for me, uh, I go in and I get, I get mentored by this amazing prophet. His name is Prophet Bill Lackey, and he's like the Yoda of prophets, okay? He's that guy where uh, we'll be sitting around and prophetic things will happen all around us, swirling things, twilight zone things, right? Uh, fourth dimension type things, just crazy stuff. Have any of you ever have been around people like that where just like, they're just so supernatural, you're wondering why they're even walking on earth? Like, I'm surprised that gravity has not broken and they just float up into the sky, you know? And I remember this because I remember I'm this, I'm this guy who's not really got it put together. And in fact, I, I have people that are telling me that I shouldn't be there. And this prophet takes me uh, on this journey of trips and he takes me to Asia and, and to Taiwan specifically over and over and over again, even though repeatedly I tell him that I do not like Asian people. I don't like them. They're mean. Say mean things. So competitive. Get it. You're going to be a doctor. I understand. Oh, you heard that one. Okay. And so this prophet, he goes against conventional wisdom of people telling him, I shouldn't be the one to be his armor bearer. And he takes me anyways. And in that moment, I have this choice. I can choose to say no and let all of the things that people are saying and what I believe in myself to be true. Because when God prophesies something to you, you have to contend with not just warfare around you, you got to deal with the mess in you that's saying that it's not true. It's the beginning battle, even with Adam and Eve, has God truly said? And Eve reasons in herself, no. He hasn't. And so we have to allow that decision to come into our life. And so I say, yes. I mean, what, am I, what else am I going to do? Just hang out around my double-wide mobile home all day playing Call of Duty? We've already established I'm bad at it, so there's no need to continue. So I go, I go to, this, to, to Taiwan, and we have all, I've shared with you guys some of these prophetic experiences, but there was this one particular trip that was so interesting because I was enamored at the power of the prophetic. Have you ever been enamored by the power of the prophetic, right? And here's the thing is I was enamored at the power of the prophetic in me. Oh, nobody else wants to say amen to that? Okay, that's just me. 
That's just me. I'm just enamored at how God used me. I was just like, I would give myself like the best pep talks after prophesying. I remember prophesying to this one pop star, you know, in there. I'd just be like, and the Lord says this. He's crying. He's weeping, you know, down his like beautifully surgically enhanced face. And he's just like letting it come down and the tears are flowing. And I'm just like, David, you rock, man. <laughs> Who's anointed? You're anointed, right? Just feeling myself. Oh. I love it, right, God? I mean, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, right? You know, as, as you just, I felt like I was crushing in all these different things. And, and my, my mentor was crushing it too, you know, because I didn't, I just played sports growing up. I didn't know anything about like this church stuff, right? So um, I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, we, I thought we were like teammates, you know, like we we're like, and so he'd be like, he'd prophesy these different things. It'd be signs in the heavens that would break open. There'd be all of this stuff that would begin to contend, uh, that would begin to happen. I remember this one time, we're standing in this room, and he's prophesying over these multimillionaire business people in this tall skyscraper building. And he says, and the Lord says that there's going to be a shaking that's going to come to this nation. And the Lord says that there's going to be a sign in the natural today that this is going to be true. And then all of a sudden, within a minute and a half, the building begins to start shaking. And we're in the midst of an earthquake. This is in Taiwan, okay? And so I was not sure about their building code, so I immediately started speaking in tongues. I... <laughs> Me and him had a talk afterwards. I was like, could you prophesy that when we're on the plane leaving? Because this was, I did not enjoy it. That was not personally, that was not personally great for me. Um, you know, there was this whole moment where um, we, he would go, he was actually on the phone with different uh, politicians in, uh, in South Korea, and he was talking uh, and giving them prophetic strategy for, for military and defense purposes and all of these different things. And I'm just like, look at you, Prophet Bill, just crushing it like me. We got this. <laughs> We don't need TBN. TBN needs us, right? Daystar, here we come. Feeling myself with the power of the prophetic coursing through my veins. Kind of like a lot of people you see on Facebook right now, huh? Feeling themselves with that accuracy, huh? Feeling themselves with that accuracy. Now, here's the interesting thing. I want to share this word with you is about revelation and prophetic revelation. And let's go to Daniel chapter two, okay? In the second year, and we're gonna start with verse one, we're gonna hop around the chapter. It says, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. Hard stop. Do you realize that it was not Daniel that had that dream? It was a pagan king. So revelation is not confirmation or validation that the person giving it is serving the true purposes of God. So I just want to put that out there is that if you're trying to discern what God is saying, the source of which it's coming from is also very, very important. And you should not ascribe accuracy of heart because you see accuracy of words. Because in that moment, you could get it all twisted and you can find yourself in a wrong position. Interesting how you realize that the responsibility of the prophecy is never really on the prophet. It's on the person who's listening to judge that word to make sure it's accurate. So nothing in the Bible, nothing in scripture, nothing in Christianity abdicates you from personal responsibility. I know, I wept and cried at that one too this morning. Okay, um... 
And so Daniel 2.36, it says, this was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands, he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. And, and Daniel continues to interpret this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. Now, let's tip down to verse 45. It says, this is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. It's at that point where you think that Daniel would notch this off as a wind, take it as a feather in his cap and all these different things. But here's the thing that's very interesting is that Nebuchadnezzar misses the entire point of this interpretation of the dream. The interpretation of this dream is meant to begin to prove God's dominance over every kingdom, over every system, especially over Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is more enamored at the revelation than it is the giver and the provider of the revelation. Because what you see in the midst of that conversation is he revels at the interpretation of his dream. How many of you know that we have a generation out there that has been trained over years and years and years to revel and have awe of the revelation rather than the source of that revelation? How many of you know, and how do I know that this is true? Is because every true prophetic word, every true prophecy, the only intent for that word is to bring you closer to an understanding of Jesus and who he is inside of your life and his dominion over who you are and what he thinks about you. Everything is meant to bring you to Jesus. It's not meant to put you into a sales funnel to monetize you for $35,000 a year. It is not meant to manipulate your emotions to make you think that without their particular brand of prophecy, you will never reach your full potential. It is never meant to manipulate and leverage God's people. It is always meant to bring you into connection with the Father. So you see how that, that simplifies things, doesn't it? You simplify that because here's the thing, is that many prophets, they're better copywriters than they are prophets. They're better at writing sales emails than telling you what God is saying. This is very, very important. And here's the thing, is I love prophets. My life has been transformed by prophets but I wanna tell you right now that there is a generation of prophets that are raising up that their only motivation is to begin to say what God says because he said it and do everything in their power to raise up a generation of people to answer that call. And there's a generation that's rising up. I believe that the majority of you in this room, because you're in this conference, you're in this moment, you have been called to represent that new dimension of the prophetic that walks in selflessness, walks in healing and wholeness so that you can begin to equip a generation to truly wage war against the enemy. Now, here's the other thing that's really interesting is I thought that was cool because we were crushing it in Taiwan, me and Prophet Bill. We're just crushing it. Ah! Then he hits me between the eyes with this. He goes, David, 
what do you think a false prophet is? And I say, oh, false prophet, you know, they say things that aren't true. You know, again, I come from New York and I don't know church and I don't know prophets, right? I think they wear bathrobes still. And just like, when does my robe come in? Like, do we size? What's going on? Is it all, five, all sizes fit one? I don't, I mean, I guess this is kind of like a robe, I guess. Short, it's not very modest. Um, so, um, and so, <laughs> I just up in here, I'm just like, God, what, are you, what is a false prophet? And then he, he looks at me while he's like getting ready for church. And he says, David, could a false prophet simply be someone that says, I love you, but doesn't really mean it? I've been saying it to these Asian people all the time, and I don't mean it. Am I the false prophet? Oh my gosh. Now more than what he said, it was the point he was getting at, which was he said, David, your words are accurate, but your heart is wrong. You gotta get it together, bro. And all of a sudden I realize that God's value is not in the power demonstration. It's in the transformation within the heart of a believer that is fully yielded to him to say what God wants to say. And so this is what ends up happening is for me, I go into like this whole deep wailing and crying. And he really messes with me. But here's the other thing is he decides, he's like, let's switch it up. Let's switch it up. I've been taking you to Asia a bunch. Let's go to Guatemala. I was like, oh, great. Where the bigger demons are. That's awesome. <laughs> taking me to the Mayan, Mayan and Aztec country. They, they eat hearts. Did you not hear that? Back in the day, there's that warrior demon. Those principalities are huge. And I will tell you, there were multiple times on that trip where I was glad I, I packed brown pants. I'm sorry, that was my one. I'm sorry, Pastor Daniel. He told me not to do it. I just couldn't resist. And because here is the thing. Okay, now y'all are in it. Y'all are in it. That's why he told me not to do it. Okay, um, I repent. Um, because here is the thing: is I was scared for my life because of what I was seeing. How many of you know that everybody wants prophetic vision and wants to see until it's scary? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh gosh, I'm closing it, and you're like, oh no, they're spiritual eyes. They don't have eyelids, right? <laughs> And you just can't run, and you just see it, and you see the demons and the high priest and all of this stuff happening. And I wake up in my room, and I look, and I see this woman that's standing at the edge of my bed. And I'm like, may I help you? <laughs> and the only thing, I didn't call the name of Jesus. I was like, Prophet Bill, right? Because that was the level of my faith. I was like, I can't see Jesus right now, but <laughs> you're in the bed next door. He wakes up, casts this, this whole astral projection thing out of the room, right? Turns out that it's a high priestess that is running for political office inside of that nation, right? So I'm telling you, freaked out, man. But you know what? Prophet Bill, not even bothered. Not the fact that, that a demon manifested in our room. Nothing. Oh, Prophet Bill, do you not understand the dynamics of principalities and ruling in the air and the sky? Like, I, I read this one book by this ex-African witch doctor. My gosh, this is nothing to play with, Prophet Bill. You better get equipped, my man, because <laughs> ignorance is not good, right? And 
And here's the thing, is that the prophetic does not glory in the perceived strength of an enemy that never had authority or power to begin with. You see, there's a lot of people out there trying to use prophetic anointing, prophetic words to scare you. Try to tell you that this is the end of America, that this is the end of all of these things. How many of you know that there's a restorative plan for America? We heard it this morning. We heard it this morning. And here's the interesting thing. Like some of us right now in here, we heard Pastor Critcher's word about how the nation is under a curse and different things. Notice what he did in that message is that there is a path to restoration for this nation. There's a pathway to come back, to begin to be restored. True prophecy always restores you to God's perfect purpose. It does. And here's the thing is it does not try to sell you on merchandise to combat demons that shouldn't actually have power over you to begin with. As a believer, I'm just telling you right now, I understand spiritual warfare. I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe in casting out demons because that's the authority that we have. But here's the thing is that if you're using that as validation for why you're not doing what God has called you, then we have to have a conversation. And it's not at a prophetic conference. It's at a a revival service where we're going to do altar calls. That's the thing. That's the reality. And so here's what I love about this is that God's word will always empower you with courage and strength to stand and begin to intervene where the enemy thinks he has authority. But in reality, God has given you the power to overcome. So I remember Prophet Bill began to work with me in that moment. He said, David, you're so enamored by the works of the devil because you can see them. My question is, why aren't you seeing what God is doing at the same time? It's easy to point to the negative. It's easy to find the reason for why things are not working. But those that are truly called begin to rise up in that moment and say, even in the face of this, I can see with a prophetic vision what God is doing in this atmosphere, in this place. And so here's the thing that I'm telling you, and I'm I'm, I'm explaining all of this stuff to you because I want to give you tools and keys to be able to identify what is really coming from God so that you're not pulled in a million different directions. There are some of you, the one word that God has given you is to plant yourself and serve in this church, but you're so distracted by a thousand different words over here that are talking about the mark of the beast, about all of these different things and all of this stuff that it's actually distracting you from the one thing that God is trying to tell you. Then he's telling you the one thing that is going to be the key for your breakthrough in this moment. We cannot be distracted in the season. So discernment is going to be able to help that. Is this okay? I know I'm like coming hard right now, but it's because Pastor Josh bought me a bang energy drink and I've been like drinking it, man. I got, I'm feeling it. I, I didn't work out today, but I'm preaching tonight. Now, here's the other thing. Listen, I got a lot of repenting to do after this, so join me in the altar when the worship team comes up. Um, But here's the interesting thing that happens too, is God wants to begin to discern prophetic words that are truly from his heart and not from ours. Ezekiel 14.3. Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? So here's the interesting thing that's happening right here is that God is addressing the idolatry of the Israelites. Okay? So this is where I know that God has like, he likes to play games sometimes and he has a sense of humor. 
And he'll sometimes let us use our own devices to hang ourselves. Therefore, speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. Be careful that some to begin to discern whether certain words are coming from God as truly your future or simply trying to expose the idolatry that's in your heart. Because God will bend the word of a prophet to reflect what is the idolatrous thing in your heart, the compromise, that thing where you said, I understand what God's called me, but this is what I really want. This is what I really desire. And then all of a sudden, by some miracle, the prophet gives you the exact word that you're looking for. Confounding, yes? This is the one thing that people don't tell you, is that the prophetic exposes the motives of your heart. It does. The real prophetic exposes what's in you. And so we have to be wary of the fact. And that's why, again, it brings you closer to the Lord. And you say, God, getting all these words about this particular thing, expose in my life areas where there may be idols in my heart that I've set up. That maybe this is not a word validating my desire, but it's correcting me in the place where I think I know better. Y'all, this is why I wonder why people ask to be prophets. Because this requires a circumcision of the heart that is very, very difficult if you're really going to become a prophet, right? Now, here's the reason why I'm saying this is because God wants to produce a true prophetic word in his people. But he also wants to produce a people that are willing to cast down every idol at the face of his true dominion in our life. To let it all go and say, God, I don't care what it looks like. Just do your work in me. I want to invite the worship team to come up because it'll indicate to me and be a constant reminder that we're coming to a close. Because sometimes I just kind of float away and we just revelate for like an hour and 20 minutes and it's like, it's insane. Don't worry, there's so much fear that rose up in this room. Like, oh gosh, I got like ovens. I got, I got like dinner in the oven. Like my Instapot is about to go off. Like, come on. Love that Instapot. Come on, come on. So, Here's the thing that I want to encourage you is that everything that I'm talking about, everything that I'm saying right now, my bottom line takeaway is that it's all about allowing God to take dominion over your life. That's all it is. See, all of this sounds like a lot, doesn't it? All of this is like, okay, so you said about this and I don't about this. Do you know what simplifies it all? Is identifying God's dominion in our life. See, there's a the thing is Nebuchadnezzar, he's prophesied as an instrument in God's hand. Isn't that very interesting? Nebuchadnezzar is given dominion over the beasts of the field, over every single person 
he's given that dominion to also rule over Israel. (gasps) God, you would not let this barbarian rule over your chosen people. But here's the thing. So Nebuchadnezzar may be a servant of God. He may be a tool of God, but he's not a son of God. So I want to encourage you. There are some of us that have been going through this season where God has been using you so mightily, so powerfully to do amazing work, but you feel yourself getting more and more wore down and not in like a, I'm just tired kind of way, but you feel like you're missing it. And God wanted me to encourage you that what he's doing is he's after your heart in this season. He's after who you are. And he's saying, right now, I want you to know me. I want you to trust me. So that way you're no longer just a tool in my hand. You're my friend. You're my partner like Adam in the garden. Or I'd say, Adam, name these animals. And what comes out of your mouth, I respond to. I want that intimacy. I want that establishment. Nebuchadnezzar, he has this revelation that he's, he has a dream of his own downfall. Isn't that so interesting? He, that's how prophetic he was or how revelatory he was about becoming a beast in the field. Now, this is so crazy, is that it wasn't until he looks to the sky and accepts God's dominion in his life that he is truly restored to his greatness. And here's the thing is that I believe in this season right now, what God is going to do is he's going to cause things to come up in this, un, to the surface of our lives that don't look great. Don't look pretty. Don't look fancy. There's no amount of designer footwear that can cover that up. It's going to look ugly, you guys. And we have a choice in that moment. We have a choice to ignore it and continue on our lives operating at a high level, but never at our fullness. Or we have the choice to be like Nebuchadnezzar and realize that the beast that was inside of us has now come out. And he's ruled by that thing until he finally looks at God and says, you are the king. I'm no longer going to glory at your revelation. I'm no longer going to just passively look and wonder at your power. I'm not going to be enamored by that. I'm going to be enamored at your dominance over me. I give you me. And then he transforms. He goes back to normal and his kingdom is restored to him in a supernatural way. Now, in closing, I want to read Jeremiah 27 to you. Because I believe what God is doing with all of this shaking, all of this transformation, all of this shifting, is God wants to make sure that you never go back to the status quo. You never go back to the things that were. You go into the new thing that God has for you. So Jeremiah 27, verse four, it says, give them this message for their masters. This is Jeremiah. God is giving Jeremiah a prophetic word for the people. 
This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, with my great strength and powerful arm, I, am I have made the earth and all of its people and every animal, I can give these things of mine to anyone I choose. Now I will give your countries to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who is my servant. I have put everything, even the wild animals, under his control. All the nations will serve him, his son and his grandson, until his time is up. Then many nations and great kings will conquer and rule over Babylon. He goes on. Now we're going to go down to verse 9. Do not listen to your false prophets, fortune tellers, interpreters of dreams, mediums, and sorcerers who say the king of Babylon will not conquer you. Now here's the thing is that Jeremiah's prophetic word is highly uncomfortable. And God is saying that the false prophetic words are going to be released to keep Israel in their comfort and in their passivity because it requires nothing of the people to simply sit back and say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar isn't going to have us. Nah, this isn't going to happen. See, they use the prophetic as validation for their passivity. Twenty twenty election, anyone? Oh, oh sorry. Don't want to get dinged by YouTube, so we're just going to move on. We're just like, oh, yeah, no, the, you hear what the prophets are saying? We got this in the bag. We don't even have, listen, we don't even have to show up at the polls. It's all going to work out. You know what I'm saying? There's something else that was working. Chapter 28, verse 1. One day in the late summer of that same year, the fourth year of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, Hananiah, son of Azur, a prophet from Gibeon, addressed me publicly in the temple while all the priests and the people listened. So here's this false prophet that comes out. And he says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, I will remove the yoke of the king of Babylon from your necks. Within two years, I will bring back all of the temple treasures that the king Nebuchadnezzar carried off to Babylon. I will bring back Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim. I totally pronounced that wrong. King of Judah and all of the other captives that were taken to Babylon. I will surely break the yoke that the king of Babylon has put on your necks. I, Lord, have spoken. Crazy thing. That prophetic word sounds hyper motivational, doesn't it? I'm going to give you back everything that was taken away. I'm going to give you back all of these different aspects, all of these different things that are truly wonderful. I'm even going to give you back your king. In two years or less, oh my goodness, the prophet even gave a date. Woof. said, in two years, this is going to happen. Jeremiah responded to Hananiah as they stood in front of all the priests of the people of the temple. And he said, amen, may your prophecies come true. Can you just sense the sarcasm? <laughs> Prophets are highly sarcastic sometimes. I'm just saying. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he does bring back from Babylon the treasures of this temple and all the captives. This is my translation, okay. But listen now to the solemn words I speak to you in the presence of all these people. The ancient prophets who preceded you and me spoke against many nations, always warning of war, disaster, and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must show he is right only when his predictions come true can we know that he is really from the Lord. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off Jeremiah's neck and broke it into pieces. 
Now, I want to highlight this part right here because Jeremiah releases his prophetic word about Nebuchadnezzar again. But notice Hananiah's response to the confrontation of his prophecy. He is so adamant to prove that he is right. Then Hananiah the prophet took the yoke off Jeremiah's neck and broke it into pieces. Do you know how hard it is to lift a yoke? They have a yoke in the strongman competition. It's not a light thing. And he breaks it into pieces. He was that passionate about trying to make things go back to the way that they were. He was so committed to the status quo that he was willing to literally come against the prophet and do everything in his power to say, no, that's not true. We know with the benefit of time, which prophet was correct. And it's this, I wanna invite everyone, even as the worship team's up here, I wanna invite you to stand up right where you are. I wanna pray over you. Is, here's the thing about the prophetic and how we begin to establish God's dominion in our life. Is we look to God and we say, do whatever it takes inside of us to be able to fulfill your purpose. I don't, I refuse to be married to methods and not be married to the maker. I refuse to allow my personal opinion of what I have seen in the past muddy what you want to do in the future. I just want you to do whatever it takes for me to be your friend, to, be to, to no longer just be a tool, but to be your son and your daughter. Tonight is a night where I want to invite you to allow God to do that thing in your life. Now, this is what I'll say. For me, as someone who has learned with some of the most amazing prophets to walk the earth right now, this is where, this is the end goal of every true prophet. That we would make a call to God's people to establish and lift him up as the supreme being that he is. That's what it is to truly discern and to truly allow him to be able to do this work in our life. Now, this is not easy, and it's only for the brave. But you guys are from Alaska. You all brave. Look at this. I see you guys walking out there on ice without appropriate footwear. You're brave. You're courageous, and you're willing to give it all. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because how many of you know that you've come into an encounter with a little bit of warfare here in Alaska with that new building? You know? So interesting. I believe that God is raising up a warfare-like church. You guys are already warriors, but I believe that there's a warrior mantle that's going to come upon you that is going to be different than what you've ever experienced. And the Lord says, this is going to be a great component of that where you're prophesying not just a good idea, you're prophesying straight from the heart of the Father. Amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.